You're listening to the COVID-19 series of Bridge the Gap podcast. This series is designed to provide resources, share the love stories, and encourage those who are working tirelessly to oversee the care of aging adults. We believe in you. Welcome to Bridge the Gap podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas on our special series dedicated to COVID-19, continuing to bring on thought leaders in the industry to bring you up-to-date information in today's new norm. We've got a great topic today that's very, very crucial for senior living operators nationwide to be thinking about. And for that conversation, we've brought on Grant Warner. He's with D2 Architects out of Dallas. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Grant, a very important topic right now in uh, both uh, hospitals and in senior living is talking about capacity and capacity related to um, social distancing and also COVID-19 positive people. Talk to, give us some context around this study and this report that you guys have put together with a collaboration of multiple entities. We formed a task force. Um, when the when the virus started to to um, come to our shores, to try to find ways to think ahead, to plan, to prototype different types of responses, and so we formed a, a basically a consortium of D two Architecture, HKS, one of the nation's leading hospital designers, Twelve Oaks Senior Living, Heritage Oaks Management, Brassfield and Gorey General Contractors, and the Bridge Group Construction. You guys, um, we also have uh, some advisors on. Of some physicians that HKS was able to put us in touch with, and some manufacturers, including uh, manufactured homes, manufacturers, and uh, shipping container conversion type companies, as well as some product representatives of other types of systems. Uh, we formed this consortium to try to get ahead of things. And as we started interviewing senior living clients to see what their needs were, they were pretty much totally uh, consumed with trying to acquire more PPE and supplies at the time. Uh, and they lamented to us that they were only getting two to three hours of sleep, if any, a night um, with their tremendous responsibilities on the front lines. Um, so we, we, they were able to, to communicate with us in, in spurts. And so we were able to assemble five basic subjects, security, bed capacity, infection control, food services augmentation, and regulation reform. Out of that list, what seemed to be the most important at this time? We started prototyping uh, in every category, but the most important to us that seemed to be the one we could solve the fastest was bed capacity. And, and that's where that, that report came out, that first report. Um, in conjunction with some reports that HKS was producing, this one, this one came out about how we senior living communities could partner with what are called limited services hotels. And uh, give us a rundown on how that looks and plays out for the senior living operator. For the operator, the, the, the concept would be to, um, well, I'll back up for a second. One of the problems that communities were lamenting to us, uh, as well as the Army Corps of Engineers, we were talking to them too. Um, the Army Corps of Engineers was tasked with assessing communities, centers, convention centers, and hotels for treating COVID-positive residents. There was a lot of red tape, a lot of FEMA funding problems, um, it was very expensive and required a lot of healthcare expertise that our senior living communities just don't have time for or don't have the funds for. And so and we started looking at alternatives. And, and one of the ideas that came up was, well, why not create a respite situation? Try to find ways to take non-COVID positive residents, or at least those who are not showing symptoms um, and can still be sequestered at another location and partner with a limited services hotel to basically evacuate. 
and reduce density inside the senior living community itself so that seniors that are in the senior living community and cannot leave for whatever reason, they may be memory support, they may be bedridden, they may require acute care, they may have no family locally, so that they could spread out inside the community to create more distance, more isolation rooms, uh, more social distancing, and reduce the stress on the staff, the more highly trained staff, so they can spend more time caring for those who need it and move some of those who don't need it or need less care out to a limited services hotel. So I'm, um, first of all, really impressed at how quickly you guys um, kind of assembled this task force, so to speak. Um, And while it feels like we've been dealing now with COVID forever, to me, it's actually all happened in a relatively short amount of time, how it became kind of a a thing we were talking about to a thing we were living with. backtrack here, I'm I'm fascinated because to get to the point where you've actually got some solutions and a study, at what point did you guys start uh, assembling your task force um, to to address this issue? It seems like this had to um, be really early on, right? It it wasn't as early as we probably should. They contacted us to try to work them to see what we could do together. And at the time, it was very medically focused. It's not something D2 does. but we realized we have to have a two-prong approach or a three-prong approach. There's no one There's no one solution. We have to have multiple solutions, especially for senior living communities that are just so varied, varied in terms of funding, varied in terms of financial stability, varied in terms of care types and size and locations. We needed lots and lots of solutions, a menu, if you will, that they could choose from to pick what's best for them. And the hope is that um, if, if the, any of these prototypes or any of these ideas work for them, they can act individually. They don't need to work through us. We're just, we would be in the way, we would be slowing things down. We would put them into contact with Marriott, for example, or Hilton or Holiday Inn or whoever for an idea like this. So for the senior living operator right now that is um, on the front lines in a community, for example, um, and maybe they do not have any outbreaks right now, they're sort of sheltering in place, doing the social isolation, um, but they're trying to make plans um, still at this point for the what if, what if happens, what if we need to isolate, what if we need to separate, um, what, what are some steps right now based on the study findings that you've found that that senior living operator could go ahead and begin to get sort of this plan in place that you guys have presented this idea for? That's a great question. And then there, I've got three different steps they can take. One of the first is, um, Contact, or, or if you need some help, let us know. Contact a hotel operator nearby to just start the conversation. There's still paperwork, I'm sure, that has to be worked out and agreements that have to be worked out and things like that. But get make some contacts and get some options uh, set up for you, not just one, but maybe several um, in your area. Because the one of the reasons we gravitated to the limited services hotels is they're almost everywhere. You see them everywhere. They're the Courtyard Marriott's. They're the... Um, Holiday Inn Expresses, they're the Hampton Inns, those kinds of types of hotels are everywhere. Uh, and I can go into why uh, other reasons uh, later in the in the interview. Um, the second step, we've been communicating indirectly with state of Texas officials. Um, it's unofficial, but some of their recommendations that they would like, and your platform is perfect for getting this information out. Um, some of their, their recommendations are, and in fact, I'll just read them to you so that I don't butcher this. Um, one of the first ones is... Um, while we have at least some time, go ahead and amend your emergency preparedness plan while you have time. 
to include the possible evacuation or partial evacuation to one of these hotels. Um, reach out. They're trying to, um, like in Texas specifically, I can't speak for other states because I've been focused on, on Texas, um, but hopefully other states are doing the same thing. Um, Texas in particular, unfortunately, has rules that have, uh, the skilled nursing rules were revised, but the assisted living rules were revised, but not approved by the governor or state legislature. So unfortunately, the American emergency preparedness plan requirements differ between assisted and skilled. So they're trying to um, get the governor to provide a waiver for the assisted living emergency preparedness rules to allow the communities to communicate directly with their regional directors. Um, and then also um, they're trying to create a waiver that will relax what's called the destination facility requirements. Right now in an emergency preparedness plan, probably in almost every state, not just Texas, if you evacuate from your community, the destination facility you go to has to be of equal or more stringent um, compliance from a license standpoint. They're trying to get that relaxed. And I've got a whole bunch of reasons why limited services hotels were chosen for that reason too. Well, um, it's really interesting. Well, I think timing is obviously of the essence. Um, and I think most senior living operators are very similar, um, it, not similar, but but used to making these evacuation plans. Most states require that for uh, different emergencies, especially those coastal um, cities that oftentimes have to evacuate and have a destination or two already picked and have relationships with transportation companies. So under that sim similar format, I think what I'm hearing is that right now is the time if they haven't already um, to consider potentially the hospitality industry that I think is, I think we've all noticed is, is largely shut down right now, many of these hotels empty and uh, that they could be a great resource for this. To your point on the regulatory environment, every state's different. We're state regulated industry and senior living. Um, I know in Tennessee, the, the board uh, for licensure just recently had an emergency meeting. Uh, which um, basically temporarily until I think like the June, the next June meeting, scheduled meeting, um, basically waived many of the building code requirements, many of the evacuation policies, and many of those um, kind of shelter-in-place um, things to allow for a lot of flexibility um, to, to the operators to coordinate with their local or regional health um, offices to relocate residents and to even um, kind of erect temporary um, isolation structures and things like that. So I, I have to believe that many states are are doing that, trying to get very creative and work together. Um, so what are some other things that, that you've kind of put together details on as far as action plan relating to this study? In talking to um, hotel operators and to others, um, we, we came up with several things that were very attractive uh, from the limited services hotel standpoint um, as why this could be a possibility and this and this varies by care type so active adult and independent living are easy there's no regulation they can do whatever they need um, they can move uh, as needed and thin out their their density and their communities it gets tougher with assisted living and obviously with memory support and skilled nursing and so what we looked at were some of the some of the reasons why limited services hotels may be a good fit for any or all of those categories of residents. And um, we came up with basically nine things that were very attractive to it. One is they're widely distributed. They're almost everywhere. You see them on highways. You see them in every city. 
Um, they're even close to rural communities off of interstates. They are purpose-built for hospitality. So that means that they're familiar, they're comfortable, they have flexible amenity spaces, they have housekeeping and laundry services built in, they have services infrastructure, they have um, staff support facilities, and, and best of all, they have fully, fully furnished units. You don't have to move a bunch of furniture and equipment. Um, the third reason is they're staffed. And like you said, these, these places are mostly empty and some of the staff are furloughed. They'd be eager to get back to work and eager to help care for our nation's elders. And the staff has been already trained in hospitality services. They would just need minimal extra training uh, for some specifics in elder care, depending on the level of care that's moving there, um, and minimal supervision, because one of the, the, the pushbacks we got from senior living operators was, well, I can't split my staff. My staff were already stressed as it is. This would be a way to double your staff instantly because they are already there and, and would just need minimal supervision. So you would only have to send a skeleton crew over to help min minimally train them and maybe provide minimal supervision. And it could even be secondary staff, maybe not necessarily frontline staff who are needed at the community itself, depending on the level of care that moves. The fourth one was food services. Some of them have limited food services. You've probably seen at the Courtyard Marriott's, there's things like bistros and things like that. Um, those that do, that don't have enough, or those that don't have any food service support whatever, whatsoever, um, there are many locations that are right next door to restaurants. And those restaurants, like you said before, with the hotels are also out of work and eager to get back to work and could support the hotel next door. Um, all, again, with limited supervision necessary for a temporary basis. The fifth one that was really attractive to a lot of operators was that they're already secure. Many of these buildings are newer than senior living communities and they were purpose built for security. And so they're easier to secure in this crisis uh, for those residents that are there. Fewer doors, um, energized locks, cameras, security systems, all that stuff is already in place. They are accessible. And I mean, not from, a, not from an ADA standpoint, but they are easily reached by emergency services they're in the middle of a lot of these communities, near families, near loved ones, near supply chains, um, near logistics services, and they're easily accessible for state officials because the state officials can find them without any major problems. Um, the seventh, uh, seventh one was that they're safe. Um, and, and what I mean uh, in that standpoint is from a life safety standpoint, they're not just secure, but almost all of them are fully sprinklered because they're medium-sized hotels. Um, Many of them, not all, but many of them are built using non-combustible construction so that there are safer construction types. And most of them are lower mid-rise, which are easier for elders to evacuate in an emergency. Um, the eighth one was trusted. They, there's a lot of resident confidence out there already in the quality and reputation of many of these hospitality providers. Everybody knows Marriott, everybody knows Holiday Inn, everybody knows La Quinta, everybody knows, knows Hilton. Um, there's a lot of confidence in, the, in those brands. But the ninth and most important one to most of the uh, operators we talked to is that they are available right now. So very, very great points. I'm wondering, um, as you guys have, have been reaching, um, obviously studying this, what is the level of openness to this um, that you've seen from the hospitality sector to be able to utilize their, their resources, their assets, and their team members potentially um, to assist the senior living population? That's a great question. I don't have an answer to that. HKS is spearheading the approach to the hospitality clients. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that that you and, and Brassville and Gory also with your hospitality experience could reach out to some of those too and see. This, this first version of the report was specifically designed for them. 
That's why it helps explain what the different types of senior living care, the different types of senior living owners that they might partner with to help educate them very quickly that there's a lot of variety out there. I know um, it, it, when we did talk to some of them originally, they were a little hesitant. They, they thought everything was a nursing home. Some of them just didn't understand the variety of senior care out there. They thought they were all nursing homes and that they wouldn't be able to help. Now they're beginning to see, and, 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 and a lot of them knew that there were a lot of other opportunities. Um, but, um, but HKS is kind of spearheading that with their clients. I would, I would hope just in, just in hearing conversations from the side that they'd be very interested in it because in terms of uh, one aspect is the other alternative is turning them into COVID positive treatment centers. And that would require a lot of building modifications, a lot of expensive changes to the building. It'll be very difficult to put that hotel back into use as a hotel after this crisis. So I would imagine that they would be very interested in partnering with senior living communities, especially at the private entity level. There wouldn't be necessarily any governmental agencies or, or red tape involved. I think that uh, that's the difference between our interview with HKS, which our listeners can listen to as well. Um, it's the difference between moving people that are currently in a hospital situation to a convention center or a hotel. Um, and I think it's also important for our listeners to understand that this is um, this is our first this is a first draft, and we are inviting people into this conversation. We hope and yes, please that this never needs to be enacted. Right? Um, this yes. worst case scenario, if a and 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 as we've seen in the news, this stuff happens very quickly. If there is an outbreak in a community and they are forced to make decisions on evacuations, this is one option that should be, you know, that senior living communities nationwide should at least explore and start to have these conversations as a backup plan. I really um, applaud your efforts to get in on the, the front side of this to provide potential solutions for senior living operators. As we know, with any emergency planning, emergency evacuation planning, you hope you never have to use them. But if you're not planning for that actively and kind of rehearsing that and know all of those details, communicating those to your teams, having those partnerships already in place, it's really hard when the time comes uh, to be able to deploy that. So what a great uh, conversation. I've often said our industry is where hospitality and healthcare collides. This conversation is very relevant to that specifically, and I think it is a great opportunity. Appreciate the work that both of you guys have been doing on this. Thank you. Yeah, Grant, thank you for your time. Um, for our listeners, again, we're inviting you into this conversation. We know that during this time that there are a lot of creative people that are thinking and trying to solve the these problems as they come up. And so we invite you to connect with us. We'll also connect with Grant and D2 in the show notes, and we'll be able to publish this study so that people can download it uh, and get it in their hands and have questions, reach out to us. You can connect to Bridge the Gap at vtgvoice.com. And also Grant will be in the show notes so you can reach out to him as well. Um, so thank you everybody for uh, listening to our program today. We're thinking of you, we're praying for you, and we believe in you. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridge the Gap podcast, the COVID-19 series. If your company, community, or caregivers are going above and beyond in their daily duties, we want to hear about it. Tag BTG Voice on social media or send us a message at btgvoice.com.